Welcome to the Cosmos in You podcast, where we interview scientists, philosophers, and leading thinkers to discuss the nature of our reality and the impact it has on our daily lives. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the Cosmos in You podcast. I am your host, Susanna Scully, and I'm excited to have you here. I hope that each of you are having a great week. I wanted to thank those of you who have subscribed to our Cosmos and New newsletter or have left a review on iTunes and or have shared episodes with your friends. It's all incredibly helpful to spreading the word and helping more people to learn about what we're doing over here at Cosmos and You. So thank you very much for that. For today, I hope each of you are looking forward to this episode as much as I am. Today's guest is Clayton Morris, who is the weekend anchor for Fox and Friends on the Fox News Channel, and also the creator and host of one of my favorite podcasts, which is called Empower with Clayton Morris. He is also a real estate investor and a husband and father of two adorable children. So Clayton and I have many shared interests, and you'll see when you tune into his podcast, which is why I wanted to have him as a guest, is he's been on this real journey of self-empowerment and has interviewed the best of the best. And I thought it'd be great to get his insights and what he's learned both personally, but also by talking to these people, what what are the lessons that we can glean from those interviews? So in this episode, we discuss the breakdown that led to his breakthrough. We talk about how to be intentional with your time, and we get really practical about this. We talk about what he's learned from interviewing personal growth experts on his podcast. And then his own powerful medium reading with Laura Lynn Jackson, who those of you who have been longtime listeners of the Cosmos and You podcast know we interviewed Laura Lynn Jackson, who is the author of the book, The Light Between Us. So he had a reading with her and really had an incredibly powerful experience. So we, we get into that. So without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome, Clayton. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. That's that's a real treat, and I'm flattered. Oh, well, I'm very excited to have you here. You know, as we mentioned in the intro, you are a weekend anchor for Fox and Friends. You are a real estate investor, and you are also the host of the Empower podcast, which has become one of my absolute favorite podcasts that I'm just gobbling up all the episodes. Oh, thank you. So what I'd love to start is telling us about how you got interested in this idea of empowerment, what it means to you, and what it's looking like in your day-to-day life. So to go back a little bit, I had a bit of a breakdown last year. And you know, I'm very fortunate in my career, I'd reached a certain level of success in television, but there was always a piece missing. Maybe not a piece missing. Maybe things were layered under a, a pile of fear, you know. And I've really lived my life out of fear, mm. fear of failure, maybe even a fear of success. You know, what would it mean to reach a certain level so that I wouldn't apply myself, I wouldn't apply myself in certain ways. So I, I didn't want to have achieve a certain level of success. Maybe I didn't feel worthy of it, but it all stemmed from fear and this sort of negative self-talk that I had throughout my life. I'm sure many of you can relate who are listening, this idea of, Money doesn't grow on trees. Oh, we can't do that, honey. We're not the Rockefellers. You know, growing up and hearing these, this negative association with money, comparing ourselves to other people, not in a negative way, but just, oh, well, they, they can go down and, and stay a couple of weeks at Hilton Head, but that's not something we could just up and do. We can go on vacation once a year. And, you know, I was never wanting growing up. I had great Christmas and everything I needed, and I was happy as a kid. And I had a blast. But these negative messages were being absorbed by me. I think they just became part of who I was. And so I had this passion of going into television and working in broadcasting. I love the idea and the medium of broadcasting. Then when I was striking out on my own after college, I I was going in deep debt. I still had this knowing that I was going to be successful in television. I just kind of knew it. And I like to think I was like on the head of a pin, right? I could have literally fallen off one way and just wallowed in a in a bath of self-pity and negative self-talk. But somehow I saw my way through that. But still, 
even at a great level of success in television, I still would walk the halls with my back sort of arched and hunched over as if I felt unworthy or undeserved and didn't belong here. And last year, I had started maybe my ninth project during this summer, just chasing other people's stuff. You know, what? oh, this person's doing this, so I should do that or whatever it happens to be, just a, a quick get-rich-quick scheme. You know, I've got to try this or maybe I should try this as part of this. And to me, it all seemed like part of the same project. But to my wife, who was sort of keeping track, she's like, you know, this is the ninth project you've started and haven't finished this summer. And I was like a kick in the groin, you know. <laughs> as wise could do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah you know, it takes the wind out of you. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, this is the ninth project you've started and stopped or are about to stop because I was getting frustrated with this person I had hired for this thing and it wasn't working out. And she's like, oh, here we go. And she's like, it's, it's hard for me to feign interest in this anymore. And that was the worst, you know. You sort of see your whole life flash before your eyes. And I thought, oh, what am I doing? And she said, honey, like your dad, what are you chasing? What are you chasing? So those words ring in my ears to this day like a bell. And I said, I don't know. And the chasing really came down to seeing my dad, I think, always reading like the next business book that was going to help him reach some level of success that he didn't think he had. But if he had just looked around and noticed his son and daughter sitting there in the house with his wife in a nice house in a nice suburb of Pennsylvania with kids running in and out of the yard and playing all over the neighborhood with the neighborhood kids and he's got two cars in the driveway, that he was fine and that he had achieved what he was chasing. And that even if he hadn't, he'd still be fine because he still had love, right? So this breakdown in the fall really forced me into a bit of a cocoon, I think, <laughs> to like a chrysalis, as my son would correct me and say, <laughs> and to think about what was important to me and what was I chasing and what did I want for my life? And how did I get here where I have all this negative self-talk and, and everything? And so that's how I became, I don't want to say obsessed with, but when my wife turned to me and she said, this is what you need to be talking about. Not these 80 other projects that you've been doing, but this is what you need to help people with. Because so few men talk about this. So your willingness to open up and cry and just kind of collapse in her arms like I did was, was sort of, what am I doing I don't know anymore. And I don't have any focus and purpose in my life, it felt like. And then it all changed. So that's why I became focused around this idea of, of empowerment. Hmm. So this <clears throat> this breakdown to breakthrough um, is the journey that you're telling us of this breakdown. Now tell us what happened after that. So you have this breakdown. I think I remember you were on vacation at the time. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, we dropped the kids off at my in-laws in California and we went to uh, Napa Valley for like three days to just get away. And this happened like right before we left. So it was kind of serendipitous that it happened where we had time to let it breathe and understand and plus drink wine. Yeah, <laughs> in Napa. Um, there is something, not to go on a tangent, but I do think there's something so important about getting out of our day-to-day. -day. It doesn't have to be a fancy you know, trip or anything, but, but being out of our regular surroundings that allow us to sit back and reflect and really see what's happening, happening with right. us, um, right? Anyhow, so, so you have this breakdown, you have this breakthrough, then walk us through what came out of that. So what came out of it was nothing, which was beautiful. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I think I wanted to probably just jump right back into things in my typical fashion. But my wife said to me, I think you just, you just need to not do anything for a while. But it was so hard for me, hard for me because I had like projects I was juggling. I was like, oh, so I'm really just going to do this like sort of cold turkey, just stop. And she said, what, who's counting on you for this? Like, what do you, you your family's taken care of, you're provide. Well, what do you need, who's, what, just stop and sit with this for a while. Mm -hmm. Don't rush into anything. So I literally did. So for the next, I think, like six weeks, I made it a mission. And she said, I don't know that you're going to be able to do it. You know, you're not going to be able to, for a month, can you not do any new projects? <laughs> She's like, as long as I've known you, that's never been the case. So can you not do this? And I, I did. I sat with it. I just, I meditated 
you know, multiple times a day, which is what I wanted to be doing twice a day without fail. I wanted to be just sitting and reading in my office and big Star Trek fans. So I have a bunch of like old Star Trek novels from when I was a kid. I'm like, you know what? I, there's a couple I've never read. I just would like to read those, you know, just to sit here in the afternoon and to do that, um, to go to the gym, um, listen to some novels, listen to some business books and just be with my kids and just be with my family and lay on the floor and do puzzles with them and build fires in the fireplace and that sort of thing. And that's what I did. And it really did teach me in that time because things started to happen for me around, you know, you mentioned real estate investing, but things started to happen on their own in spite of me. I remember I was after this whole breakdown, I was in, uh, I was in California at an event and this real estate deal that normally I would be like stressing every five minutes about and trying to push it across the finish line. I just stepped back from it and said, you know what? I've got right, the right people handling this. Uh, I'm not going to be involved in this. And it ended up being the best decision I made. I stepped away from it and it just allowed for it to happen. And the deal closed on its own and I got wired the money at closing and I was not even a part of it. So had I stressed about it, stuck my neck into it in email threads and phone calls and sleepless nights and telling my wife, oh, I don't know what he's going to do, if he's going to show up at the, at the closing, I don't, you know, this back and forth, I just said, I said, I don't care. What's the worst that's going to happen? The deal's going to fall through? It's a great deal. It's not, someone else will buy it. Like it was no, I just, I stopped caring. <laughs> and it just, everything sort of started to make sense again after that. Now it's a sort of daily practice to make sure that that's solidified and that that continues and I don't fall back into that. But I, it's like now I told my wife, I said, I look at it now, I would never go back to that because I can see clearly that that rushed chasing other people's dreams and desires. To me, I, I would see my dad sit and this is so, it saddens me because he's 82 and he's not going to change. He's still the same and he's going to continue to pursue this and this elusive, whatever it is, being a multimillionaire, I don't know. He's got all the business books on the wall. But the, the analogy that I use or the anecdote that I use is that we'd be sitting at dinner, like someone's birthday dinner or something, you know, maybe even out at a restaurant. doesn't matter. But after dinner, we're going to all have cake and open presents for the, whoever's birthday it is, you know. And at dinner, maybe someone would mention or I'd mention to my dad, there's a new book about time management and it's going to give you your edge in your business or something. So my dad would internalize that and literally think this is going to be the one book that's going to get him to that million dollars. And after dinner, we'd be like, dad, where are you going? Like, I'm going to run over to Barnes and Noble and get that book. But we're going to open presents now and it's his birthday. So you're going to, well, yeah, I just got to go get this. And like the world would stop for him to go and get this book at the bookstore and what's he chasing? Like if he would look around, like he's getting to celebrate a birthday with his family. What's more important than that, right? But to him, that was the thing that was going to push him. So he was always chasing. So I'm able to see that and I never, ever want to live my life that way and continue down that path. And it took this breakdown and that time, that six weeks where you became essentially an observer of your life. I almost picture you being both incredibly present and the observer almost at the same time. And anxiety and stress just sort of melted away during this phase. Mm, yeah. It was during this tearful breakdown, I felt a calmness that I haven't felt since I, well, since I can remember since my childhood, maybe like the most contented feeling like you might have after a session of yoga, you know, and like laying there in Shavasana or something after a 90 minute yoga session. But even then, not even as peaceful because your mind is like filling up with things you need to get done, your to-do list and et cetera, right? The whole purpose of yoga is to get to that peaceful spot. And it just happened to me in this like, felt like an enormous weight off my shoulders. As if none of the, this other garbage even mattered. That yes, I'm a broadcaster. That's what I do. My other sort of goals have to be aligned with passion and purpose. Otherwise, they're, that it's my dad, right? It's just chasing. It has to be aligned with passion and purpose, and it has to speak to me and be real and authentic. Otherwise, it's garbage. Isn't it wild? I think, who is the quote? Um, 
the one that says um, the two most important days are the day that you're born and the day you realize why you're born. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Is it something like that? Right. Um, but but what I'm hearing through what you're saying is that moment when you realize it's okay to be you and not your parents, not your friend, not your whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? And and it feels like that's that's what happened there, that clarity of okayness to be you and not anybody else. Right. Unabashedly me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With all the flaws and, you know, when you, when you strip away the facade, the fake version of you, the, like this persona that you're putting on for other people, it's freeing. Honestly, at the end of the day, no one cares about your fake persona anyway. Most people aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. And if you can just let that, that mask, we're all telling ourselves a story. And I think the thing is we, we get very comfortable in our story. We wear it like it's a suit of armor, right? Oh, I'm a, div- I'm a divorcee. Mm-hmm. I'm a cancer survivor. Whatever it is. We wear it and we're defined by our stories mm-hmm. our whole life. But what, what would it mean for you to like let that, I mean, this is sort of a Byron Katie way of looking at it in her great book, you know, Loving What Is. But she asked the question, you know, what would, who would you be without your story? When you let it just slip away, are you any less of a person or are you, are you more of who you really are at the, the essence? Like free of all these names and conventions and stories that we build up and we tell people at cocktail parties in order to put ourselves over it's all it's all garbage, but it's so freeing to let that go. And does it feel like, do we need to have a breakdown in order to have that breakthrough of releasing the stories, do you think? I think there are many ways to have a, a breakdown. You know, they don't have to be as dramatic as what some people go through, which is like, you know, a car accident after a night of drinking and they, they end up, you know, unfortunately, you know, killing someone in a, in a drunk driving accident, Right. Mine is pretty, pretty boring compared to somebody like that. But I think having enough awareness that something's not right in you, like if you can't sit, here's a good test, right? If you can't sit still for 30 minutes quietly and just to, and, and to literally be calm and not concerned with what other people might think of you by doing that, like if you can go to a park bench and sit calmly without a book, without an MP3 player, an iPhone, and just to sit, put your phone in airplane mode, and just to sit and just to, to observe, if that's uncomfortable for you, then I think that's a sign that you're, you, you know, you're creating a story for yourself that you should just be, you know, you should be letting go through that awareness. So the breakdown doesn't necessarily, in my mind, have to come from an actual breakdown, Oh, what did you do? You know, we're in court now. You're, here's a mugshot of you after this horrible incident. It can be finally accepting and having this awareness about yourself and then begin to start to meditate, journal, take five minutes out of your day to have more awareness, build more awareness into your life. Because for me, what it opened up was, was a massive amount of awareness. It was like I had this sort of window in front of me like a foggy window and it's like I took a squeegee and cleaned it wide open. And that was, you know, for me, that was the breakthrough was the awareness piece. And now I see it every day. Some days are worse than others, you know, after the holidays and was frantic and we're kind of getting back into a routine again and all this sort of stuff. You know, sometimes you forget that, okay, just slow down a little bit, get back, root yourself again and have that awareness again, that space it can be difficult, right? During the holidays, everyone's traveling, all these demands and pressures on all of us. So slow down, get back to where you were, the work that you were doing on yourself, because you're no good to anybody if you can't love yourself first. And that was the hardest thing for me is the loving myself. I felt like that that was arrogant. Or, and again, thank God for my wife, because she really pointed out, she's like, why, you know, why am I the only person that can see how special you are? You know, why don't you see how special you are? And I would think like, oh, that's going to slip into a point of like arrogance and to cockiness. And it's like, well, no, it's, it's not. It's, it's, 
It's literally not being nervous in your own skin and realizing that we're all connected. We're all connected by this energy. Heck, the name of your podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. We're all, we're all connected by this energy and no one is better than anybody else. When you stand in a room with heads of states and CEOs, why is there some people that are cowering in the corner? It's because they're not in, they don't love themselves. They don't realize that they're just as valuable to the universe as the person who purports to be by being the CEO of this company. You know, it makes me think of your really powerful podcast episode, the most recent one with Alan Kay. Mm. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. He, for those who, ha- who don't know him or haven't listened, if you could tell us a bit about that moment where he said he's down at low tide with all the other animals. Mm. I thought that moment was so powerful where he talked about the energy he was giving off. Anyway, I'll let you. Sure. The History Channel did a show last year called Alone. And when I saw the ad for it, I said to Natalie, we've got to watch this. And, you know, History Channel have been doing like a lot of shows recently that have nothing to do with history. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> give them that pass. I don't know. This doesn't have much to do with it either. But the premise of the show is 10 individuals are dropped into the Canadian wilderness with no way of communicating to the outside. Well, they can they have a, an emergency sort of button that they can press that would have the rescue copters come and get them. They have no way really of connecting to the outside world. They're out there. They're only allowed to bring 10 items. And on the list of 10 items, I mean, there's a specific list. You can bring like a knife, a pot, um, a flint, you know, just things that you can, can kind of get you started. And that's about it. And they're dropped in this area totally different from each other. So the chances of them running into each other are slim to none. And they have to survive. And the, the winner who live, basically stays out there the longest wins $500,000. So he was an outdoor person in, in Georgia. He was a naturalist. He would t- kind of teach classes to kids on how to eat the weeds in their backyard that are edible, you know, to identify the world around him. And so he was always connected to the outdoors and nature. And, and he ends up winning the show. And you can watch it. It's on Netflix now, I think, and or on the History Channel app. And it's really powerful because you see certain people in the show literally didn't even survive the first night. They were just so panicked and had to get out of there. But the lesson I took away from the whole show is that the reason he won is not because of his survival skills, which were on point with many of the other people in the show. Heck, this other guy built a bow and arrow. I mean, it was incredible what these other guys did. And he did equally well. But it was that he was most comfortable with himself alone, stripped away of like this facade. He was alone by himself. There was no one to be fake to. There was no one judging him. So he had to, he basically stopped judging himself and got real. But that moment you're talking about, it was powerful because he had, he would go down to the waterway that he kind of built his little encampment by every day to try to find food. And he would walk down and the first few weeks he was there in the wilderness the animals would scatter ducks and birds and whatever would run away from him basically. And then after a few weeks where he had this like calmness about himself and he was like dropped the story, so to speak, he went down to the waterway this particular morning where he just felt totally content and at peace. And the animals didn't budge. They didn't move an inch. It was as if, Ah, here you are now. Welcome. Now you're who you are. Now you're one of us. Oh, I have the chills. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, to think that we're so disconnected from that, that we're in this world where we get a cellophane package of chicken, you know, from the store, we have no idea where this comes from. We're so disconnected. We're constantly on social media. We're we have devices in our faces 24-7. I know it's a cliche to say that now because people say it all the time, but it's so true. It is. You get, a, you get a buzzing in your pocket and you you look to it. But are we allowing ourselves that time to be alone and to have that awareness, to sit quietly with everything shut off, whether in a meditation or just to sit quietly and stare out the window at nature or something or take that long walk without having earbuds in our ears and Um, And I love podcasts, God knows. But it's like, can you also allow yourself that 30 minutes a day or, you know, an hour a day where you're just totally disconnected from from all the distractions and to kind of get real with yourself and be honest with yourself and look yourself in the mirror? And I think 
the other powerful part coming back to that um, when he talked was was the energy that he was giving off that the other animals could feel that energy and that he said that he realized at that moment we are all animals we may be more evolved in our intellectual abilities but from an energetic standpoint that that is the level of communication that's how they um, interact is from energy and so he was able to know when he had reached that place of okayness as you said and losing the story the animals let him know that i mean you think of what's his name uh, who's the dog whisperer caesar milan is that his name right 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 and he talks about that all the time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's amazing that the stories that we tell ourselves and the thoughts that we have, how they create in us an energetic vibration that gets communicated unbeknownst to us. Right. Yeah. Right? To others. Yeah. And, you know, it's that old that old saying, right, that dog can smell fear. You know, it's a joke. Yes. Oh, he can smell fear. You know, it's so true. And that that's not really yeah. a joke. I mean, it, it is true that these animals, they're, they're sensing that you're disconnected. So that's why they're growling at you, you know. Right, right. And that's not to say to go up and pet a grizzly bear, but, you know. Right, You know, right. Th- th- there is this awareness. And he even says at one point when he's he catches a fish, he had this sudden awareness, this connection to the earth in a way that he even hadn't when he was teaching stuff in Georgia, naturalist stuff to children. Like, he caught this fish and he like looked down at this fish before he cut it and opened it and, you know, and ate it. He said, I'm sorry, you know, but he, he, he said it kind of quietly. He didn't even realize that he was saying it, but it was just this, thank you for this, this nourishment. We're all part of the same ecosystem, but he'd never said that to an animal before, right? That he, he was about to eat. Like he's sitting down for a steak dinner. He's not thanking the butcher. He's just eating it. So this was a first for him. Mm-hmm. So, oh gosh, it's so powerful. I, I highly recommend everybody go check out that episode on Empower Podcast with Clayton Morris, um, Alan Kay. It's, I had, there's just so many aha moments I had in that episode. It was really, really wonderful. I'd love to switch gears for a moment. Our podcast listeners have heard my interview with Laura Lynn Jackson, who's a psychic medium who wrote the fabulous book, The Light Between Us. You also interviewed her on your podcast, as well as she did a reading for you on Fox and Friends. Right. Do you mind telling us, sharing with us a bit about your experience with her, what you learned, what you experienced? Sure. And I have to thank you because that was your interview with her was really the catalyst for this whole (laughs) opening and connection and awareness and the ability to help so many other people. It was really your interview with her that started this um, ball down the hill. And my wife had listened to your interview, told me I needed to listen to it, blew me away, you know, and we read her book. Then I said, after we finished the book, Natalie and I on a drive up to Connecticut to visit my sister, we finished it as an audio book. And we both looked at each other and I said, I need to have her on my my show, Fox and Friends. I need to have her on. Um, and the next day, I get an email from my producer. I didn't say a word about it. I didn't email her nothing. I get an email from my producer just says, we're going to have Laura Lynn Jackson on the show this weekend. Would anyone like to, you know, of the, of our hosts, would any of us like to do a reading? And I said, you, you've got to be kidding me. You're kidding. Yeah. And I wrote her back. I said, you've got to be joking. I just finished her book yesterday. And absolutely, I would love to do this. So when you talk about synchronicity and this idea that everything is connected and it all, you know, we're all led in certain ways by signs, um, there are no coincidences, right? These, all of these things happen the way that they're supposed to happen. Um, and so she comes on the show, we immediately hit it off. I tell her, you know, obviously we know Susanna and we've listened to her show and this is, thank you for doing this. And we just immediately hit it off. And so she did this reading. She doesn't know my wife is in the studio because my wife showed up like right as we were about to do it. She wanted to meet her too. She was so blown away by her book. So she kind of sneaks into the studio while we started the interview and she starts to do the reading and she's connecting with people on you know who've passed away on my side of the family it seemed or people i knew closely i mean i you know if you're a non-believer in this then i get no amount no amount of telling you that she said things to me that there's you know that no one would have known um maybe wouldn't help 
but if you are open to it and understand that like the idea that you know we're here sort of temporarily and that our energy lives on in incredible ways after we pass just to know i think the biggest takeaway for me during that interview when she was connecting with like my grandmother who was telling me things that were pretty remarkable one of which was that my wife has a tendency to buy a lot of shoes like a lot of women and my grandmother passed away in the 90s and uh, she raised me I mean, she didn't raise me she she was there when my mom went back to work she she lived with us but so she did raise me really and she was you know a great friend and and uh, i was saddened at the fact that i didn't really get to say goodbye to her because she and my dad had a bit of a falling out and she moved into a nursing home and it was just a it was a just sort of a bad situation in the last like six years of her life where we I me and my sister would go and visit her at the nursing home and, and spend time with her, but my, my dad didn't and it was it just regretful. And during her funeral, he was bawling his eyes out, saying, you know, we were both so stubborn, why couldn't we have like resolved this? And that stayed with me in a profound way. But I always felt angry and upset that I didn't really get to spend time with her at the end of her life. And um, we had to learn about her death in the newspaper. Hmm. And uh, so during this connection, I was wondering if she was going to come through. I had been one, I had been thinking about her in the, in the few days before this interview. Like, would, would well, her name was Alma? Like, would she come through it, during this reading? Which would I be able to connect with her? Is she here? Is she even aware? You know. And of course, they all are. They're all there they're on the other side, and they're all right there. And I was just. 20 minutes into the interview, she didn't mention anything about my grandmother. And I just started in, in, a, in a dead space. I sort of said to her, I, I, well, I quietly thought this. And Laura didn't ask me this, and I didn't say it out loud. I said, um, I just began to think, is she going to come through? Is Alma going to come through? And just as I thought it, she says, I'm getting um, a grandmother from your father's side coming through. Mm -hmm. Just and I said I just was thinking that she says sometimes all it takes is the thought to open the door. So she comes through and then it just she's like oh she's hilarious. I'm like yeah she was she was like pugnacious you know Baltimore tough woman funny and and she's talking about boots. Did your wife just get some new boots yesterday? And I was like what? I'm like I go I'm like probably God knows there's a box arriving every day at the house you know (laughs) probably and. She said, no, no. And, and I looked over at Natalie and, and, she, and she was crying because the day before she had ordered these boots and, and in order to like to hide them from me, she threw out all the packaging and just put them in her closet. Mm-hmm. Normally she wouldn't care, <laughs> but for this, for whatever reason, this day uh-huh. she decided to like hide it from me right? because she thought I'd just rag on her about it. So she hid them. And so my grandmother was saying, nice new boots. She likes your new boots that you got. And, and Natalie's like, she outed me. Wow. She outed me about these boots. Um, wow. <laughs> and then she's like, I'm seeing, I'm seeing her, your teeth. Um, did you just get like, she's like, I'm seeing zing. Like your grandmother's showing me like zing. You're smiling. Like great, great teeth. Like did you just have your teeth whitened? And I literally the day before had gone to the dentist and, you know, had them clean. And there was all these like little things. But even beyond that, these like connections to my family and to my grandmother, knowing that, and this was the most profound takeaway for me was – what Laura preaches and talks about, but through all these connections to the other side, is that we are going to hit these points of light in our life no matter what, these scheduled events in our life. And we can choose to ex- hit these points of light in our life um, out of fear or out of love. So we can live a life out of fear and still hit these points of light, right? That we're going to hit. It's like we're, we're sort of like predestined to hit certain things. Yeah. And when you say hit certain things, just so those who haven't read a book or don't know, what do you mean? Like major plot points in a novel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're going to wind up, you know, at Tiananmen Square at, at, during this revolutionary moment, right. you know, because yeah. no matter – you're going to get there somehow. Oh, you witnessed this particular event. Or you met your wife in the most bizarre way at this particular time and place. She explains that all of these points of light are set for us already. And I said, how confident of that are you? And she's like, absolutely 150%. There is no way around it. Hmm. Now, you can choose to reach those points of light in your life fearfully or lovingly. And that was really... A huge change for me because 
well, if I'm going to create this job or you know go off and do this particular project or these other things, I'm going to go do it with love or am I going to just be fearful the whole time? Why am I doing it in the first place? Yeah. My other big takeaway from that interview was that it really changed me. I mean, as a I mean, as a broadcaster, I guess, but as a just a human being, to know that there that we shouldn't be living a life out of guilt. Because when I said I feel guilty, that on the other side, I didn't get to see and say goodbye to her. Mm-hmm. She said, you know, like guilt doesn't exist there, and she doesn't care about that. There is no guilt. That that's silly. And to to think about that as like a silliness. Like and I've you know Dr. Wayne Dyer is often called like guilt and regret like the two most worthless emotions because they don't exist like they they, they don't exist it's a fabrication of the mind oh so powerful and it's all these all of those emotions I remember once seeing a chart of emotions um, and they had sort of the vibrational frequency that it was associated with each emotion. And again, they, you know, they were able to figure this out by hooking up EEG machines to people. And when they felt the emotion, they measured the um, vibrational frequency to it. And, um, and guilt, fear, regret, anger, you know, all those were all low vibrational um, emotions that we have. And going back to this, you know, guilt or fear that it's not serving you in any way. And so it was what you said, it's a waste of time. There's no point. Um, And if you have that faith, I mean, that's the best way I can say it, that faith that you will hit those predetermined points, whether it be meeting the love of your life, whether it be achieving, you know, the desires of your career, whether it be having a child, you know, whatever those things are, if you have that faith and trust, wow, that changes your whole life. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah, because you don't fight it. Yeah. And you just allow for it, you know, and you sort of surrender to it. Um, I mean, there's so many examples of this in my life where I think I was w- so worried about things for months sleepless nights. I didn't want to like open my email because I was worried about things and it still didn't happen. Mm. And once it was all finished, I looked back and thought, how silly. I just wasted two months worried about this. You know, if you ask yourself really, what's the worst that can happen? What is the worst thing that could happen in this situation? Is it true that that's going to happen? And if it's not true, if you know that it's not true, then why are you operating out of this place of fear and anxiety? I feel like my whole life has been ruled by fear and anxiety. And this was the first Christmas that I can remember. I think I was telling you a little bit about this where I was totally at peace. That while I was off work and I was just relaxing with the family, I just, I I wasn't like, okay, we're going to open presents in the morning. Okay, great. Cause I got to get back on the computer. I got some things I got to work on. I got this project I got to work on. For what? Chasing, fear. Instead, I just sat and had a nice old-fashioned, you know, (laughs) and just sat with my wife and, you know, maybe ate a little too much and sat by the fire and just talked and played checkers with my son. And and I didn't care about anything. Um, And there's a different – you know, I don't want to give the sense that, like, there's an idea of, like, being complacent and lazy because I'm the furthest from lazy. But but you don't have – you can be intentional with your time. And you're, you know, when you're working on projects, and this is something I'm passionate about too, is that when you're working on projects, we have sort of our power hours in the day, right? Gary Keller talks about this in The One Thing, which is a wonderful book, that we all have our best times of the day. And for me, it's like between 10 and noon when I can really buckle down and focus on my projects and things that I want to accomplish. So I'm not returning emails at that time. I'm not wasting time on social media. I shut off. I put do not disturb, you know, on my computer. Um, I turn, put my phone into airplane mode. And I've calendared out for those two hours, I'm working on this project, X, Y, and Z project. And yesterday I did step one, step two, and step three. Those are checked off. Today I'm working on four, five, and six. And then by tomorrow, this project should be done. 
And then I'll calendar in something else that's big and massive and sort of a breakthrough, you know, working on the business, not in the business during those timeframes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but being intentional about our time and focused instead of, you know, wasting our time out of fear and anxiety and just like flinting around on social media doing 80 different things but not accomplishing anything. Yep. Yep. And so the the part of this living out of love instead of fear enables you to do this because there's not the wasted emotion and thoughts. The, the focus is just actually on the, the work because you know it's going to get you where you want it to get you. Right. It's it's knowing that this is part of, you know, I, I have on my whiteboard here in my office, I have the one thing for this year. And for me in real estate, it's to talk to as many buyers as I can each day, because that is the one thing. If I'm in, you know, selling real estate, or if I'm working on um, my, my, my rental properties for my buyers, well, all the other sort of, oh, make sure the website looks nice and make sure the graphic looks good is all just it's all stuff that's sort of like meant to make you feel good, like you're doing work. Right, right. Right, like, yeah. you know, ordering business cards. Like, yeah, I did some work today. Oh, I ordered some business cards for my business. Oh, yeah? Did you hand any out? Did you talk to anybody? <laughs> right. Did you, you know, <laughs> no, you didn't do anything. Oh, you ordered T-shirts for your business? That's great. Did you do any actual work? You know, so keeping that focus on the one thing um, and talking to as many buyers as I can and trying to help as many people as I can. Okay, so... To me, if if the action I'm taking during those sort of power hour time is not feeding that goal, mm. then it's not right and I don't do it. But before, holy smokes, I mean, I never had any focus. And I have to say my biggest flaw, my you know, is still around this idea of, you know, of focus and discipline. And I battle with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have sort of a routine that I go through um, now every day that I'm working on in 2016 is <laughs> – Every day I'm working on it. It's not there yet, but I'm 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 making sure that I'm doing it a couple of times a day. So and the, and this book, the one thing, which I haven't read yet, I've heard of it, but I have not read it yet, um, which I will now. Um, it helps you. I also identify what the one thing is. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't yeah. know what you're like, I don't have the one thing. I don't know what right. it is. I don't know. It really walks you through that whole process and really identifying around what your purpose is and your process. And, um, you know, how to, how to really marshal then your time, attention, and effort around that one thing. And it's written by Gary Keller, who built Keller Williams, you know, like the number one real estate agency in the country in the United States. So mm. the guy is a, a, a business genius. But when he rebuilt his business around this methodology, everything changed because it was kind of a disaster and kind of a mess. And then he reconfigured it all around this methodology where he had his workers only working on the one thing. And changed everything for them. Makes you think of the Pareto principle, the 80-20. Right. right? 20% brings in 80% of the revenue or clients or whatever. Um, it's So essentially, it's getting the biggest bang uh, for your effort. Exactly. You know, it's really around how to increase your productivity and gain more satisfaction mm-hmm. from your personal, family, and spiritual life. I mean, other, you know, it's it's about focus. It's about how to create the right habits. Um and how everything else falls in line when you have this focus on that main thing. Because it's really about being able to say no to things. Yes, That's really the key. It's in the power of saying no. Because if it doesn't fit that one thing on your whiteboard in your office, then why are you doing it? You're doing it because you want to feel good about yourself. You're doing it out of fear. And it's not feeding that goal. And it gives you so much power when someone calls you up with shiny object syndrome. Yeah. You know, I use David Allen's method, um, the the GTD method. Are you familiar? Yeah, the getting things done. Yep. Yeah. So it really, of all of the sort of productivity strategies, this one has been the one that stuck with me the most. Mm. And the GTD methodology for your audience, if you're not familiar, that David Allen created like 15 years ago, he's got a new version of the book that just came out called, you know, it's getting things done, GTD is to get everything out of your mind. Your mind is a terrible place to store um, projects. Our mind, and there's enough brain science now, and maybe even a great guest for your show, um, like Dan Leviton and his book, um, uh, the, what is it called, The Mind? It's gonna, I'm losing it now. <laughs> um, something about the mind. Okay. The, um, and there's a couple of books, Brain Chains, but the, this idea that the brain is not meant to store 
you know, it's memory banks where you put your keys. Right. And it's not meant to keep track of the 10 steps to do that PowerPoint presentation. It's really meant for the here and now focus on the present, um, which is really a testament to the way we should be living anyway. Right. But to get it all out of our brain and in a bucket that houses it, sort of our external brain. That's really Dan Leviton's point is we need to create external brains, which is a notebook, um, a piece of software like I use, like OmniFocus. So we get all of the things into our in-basket. So let's just – we can go through this exercise and I love it, which is – and I try to do this every few – but every two months I do what I call a, like a mind dump. Just take everything out of our brain and put it in this in-basket. Say, honey – don't bother me for two hours. Kids, I'm locking myself in my office for the next three hours, two hours. I'm going to put on a little music and everything in my brain that needs doing, paint garage, work on PowerPoint project, um, set up 529 plan, Mm -hmm. um, lose 15 pounds, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, clean out refrigerator, Mm -hmm. call mom about birthday plans, all of that, every one of them, as small as they seem, goes into this basket. Mm Mm-hmm. Then from that basket, we then process it. So that's where the software comes into play or a notebook. David Allen actually just uses an in-basket on his desk. He just has a basket. And mail that comes into his house, ideas, he writes it on a little piece of paper and he plops it in the in-basket. You know, pick up dry cleaning. Gets written on a piece of paper and dropped in his in-basket. Work on PowerPoint presentation, goes in his in-basket. Work on speech for May, goes in his in-basket. And then we process it all. And if any of those items in that in-basket take less than two minutes, he does them right then. Mm-hmm. Return email, boom, done. Get it out of there and then throw it in the trash. You've completed it, it's out of there. The other ones that need processing go into either project folders. You know, They turn into a project with multiple steps and you create like a folder. So PowerPoint presentation, I imagine, is like 10 steps. Mm-hmm. And work on speech for May, I'm sure, probably has 10 steps, um, all of those things. And then there's also the defer mechanism. So if you've got an assistant or someone who's going to, you're not doing this, it's not going into a project, you defer it. Honey, you're the one that's got to, you know, make the dinner plans with our neighbors. Like, that's that's your wheelhouse. Can you handle that? Um, you defer it. And then there's the someday maybe folder, which I love, because that's the, where the shiny object stuff comes in. And I suffer from the shiny object syndrome. So to have a place where your friend calls you up and says, hey, do you want to do, you know, do you want to work on a treehouse together for the kids in the neighborhood or something, you know, whatever it is. Right, right. Well, yeah, it sounds like a fun, I like treehouses. I like the kids in the neighborhood. (laughs) Okay, that's a great idea. Well, I was thinking we could do this thing with a, okay, great. Yeah, I'm kind of in all, I'll think about it. Put it in your someday maybe folder, and then every week you review everything on all your projects, and you constantly see that thing in the someday maybe folder that says kids' treehouse. And after two months, yeah. you're like, eh, delete. You know, it's not something we're yeah we're gonna do right. Um, so it's a really to me that's like I have to I have to do this, and I have to stay on top of it because I get anxiety when these things sort of fall apart. Um, uh, so that's my long-winded way of explaining my sort of daily methodology and how I handle this stuff. Well, it's good. It's it's the practical. What I what I like about it is you're giving the everyday tools. You know, so we'll talk about these sort of meta um, ideas of fear and love and purpose and meaning and fulfillment and all these things. But what does it look like on a day to day basis? And how do you start to right. create your life around it? Um, and I think that's what you're sharing, which is that these tools are so incredibly helpful and they work. And that's the other thing, you know, you sort of hear these tools, you're like, ah, okay, do they work? Do they not work? Right. They do. Um, and you li- start living your life on purpose um, when there's no no more victim mindset of like, oh, everybody's coming after me. I'm so busy. I have so much, you know, whatever it is, you are um, empowered. Hey, here we go. Come right. back <laughs> to your podcast. You're empowered. Um, so that's wonderful. Thank you, Clayton. Thank you for all of this. I think you are bringing into the world and to a new audience, these concepts and sharing your own experience that we all can learn through your lens has been very, very useful, um, and a great connection point. So thank you for being vulnerable and for this quest that you're on, that we can all come with you. So thank you for that. 
Well, thank you for allowing me the forum to to share with your audience. Um, maybe my goal is, oh, if they if they only took one thing away from this whole thing, that would be uh, that would be I would be thrilled about that. So I appreciate. Yeah, it. yeah. So where can people find out more about? your podcast, your real estate investing advice, your show? Sure. So just my website at claytonmorris.com is where I post my podcast, uh, the Empower podcast. And if anyone's interested in, in figuring out their financial freedom number and sort of working on how to get started in real estate investing and understanding how it can be a game changer, you know, rental real estate. I have a free downloadable cheat sheet that I think can be powerful and helpful for people to start to analyze. Like when people are like, oh, I want to be a millionaire. It's like, well, why do you want to be a millionaire? You probably don't even need anywhere near that. And once you actually start to look at your number, I have a, it's at claytonmorris.com slash freedom. And you just download it. It's a simple little worksheet and it'll sort of walk you through like figuring out what it would mean for you to have financial freedom. And you plug in your numbers and, and do it. And then I think it's a game changer. So I love to help people not have like this fear of money because, you know, there's such a lack of education around this stuff um, for for people in real estate, we're just told to get a 401k plan at work and then that's it or fine. Uh, but what happens when the stock market tanks and most people retire with about 70000 in their retirement account? Yep. Is that enough to yep. live on every year? No, it's like enough to live on for a year, you know. So I believe in empowerment through that. So if anyone's interested in that, just you can go to my website there and just email me and I'll, I'll jump on the phone with you and help you get started investing and figuring out you know, how to reach that, that goal because I'm, I'm passionate about it. That's great. All, all around empowerment. Clayton Morris. Exactly. Right? <laughs> great. And then they could right. also find you on Twitter and Facebook as well. Yeah, that's right. I'm very communicative over there. I, that didn't sound right. It sounds like I have a disease. <laughs> okay, that's communicable. That's com- <laughs> Uh, but no, I'm oh, I'm communicative. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that I, is I got right. It right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'll jump on uh, Twitter. I'm always on Twitter, and you can reach out to me there or Facebook, and I'm 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 responsive. Perfect. All right, Clayton, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and wisdom with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, great. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did, and I would love to continue the conversation with each of you over at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash Cosmos in you, or our Twitter page. The Twitter handle also is Cosmos in you. And of course, at our website, Cosmos in Again, thank you so much for listening in. I'm so grateful to each of you to be able to share this shared passion and look forward to seeing you next time.